Oh, man. <laughs> so. What's going on? We got a Superman book and Scott's not here. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if we, if we picked some totally off the wall thing, he'd be like, oh, damn, you did that one without us. <laughs> well, now, now he'll really be like, yeah. It's going to be like, uh, but we were supposed to do this on I've Got a Few Things to Say About Superman. Ah, oh, you guys stole my thunder now. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, woe is me. That's what he gets for having a job and a life. That's right. I got a job and a life. This doesn't stop me. Well, I got a job. I got no life. Back to the bin. Uh, okay. <coughs> yeah. Uh, hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. I am uh, one of your hosts tonight. The, uh, what am I? Uh, effervescent. Effervescent. Ever pleasant. Like nah, nah. That, what? You're like Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer, that's right. I'm, you, you plop me in a pool and I fizz. <laughs> plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, th- oh, they're Dr. Bill it is. No, that's horrible. Anyway, it's me and my shadow strolling down the avenue. Sing it, Paul. Paul Spataro, everyone, the producer. Yeah, I don't know the words to that song. All I know is me and my shadow strolling, walking, whatever, down the avenue. Well, I recently did a uh, an Is It Yours with Dave and Holly Weeder. Ooh, I have not met the missus. Well, this this is her podcasting debut. Ooh, on it isn't Jaws, and it aren't you Jaws. doing uh, Top Gun? No, we already did. Dave and I did Top Gun a while ago, and now we are going to start working our way through. Myself and the two weeders are going to work our way through the Harry Potter catalog. Oh, you know, I don't know what, what pace. Hang on for a second, because my dog is chewing on something that she should not be. Give me a second. Oh, okay. Yep. Hey, what do you got there? Well, I got something I want to eat. You know, you know. It's just an electrical cord. You know, nothing dangerous. I need these things. I got oh, your sure. wallet. I figured I'd eat that too. You don't need this credit card, did you? Mm, delicious. I'm gonna floss my teeth with it. Okay. Oh, you're back. Oh, okay. I have returned. Were you singing? Oh no, I was just doing a little. You know, you'll you'll hear it later. You can decide if you want to keep it in. Yeah. I was uh, talking as if I was your dog. That could be interesting. So yeah, we, we started with Harry Potter and the uh, Sorcerer's Stone or whatever. The... Oh, I thought you would have done an Officer and a Gentleman. <laughs> yeah, right. And we're going to work our way through to Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. But like I said, ah. I don't know. We don't have any kind of set schedule as to how frequently we're going to do them. But every now and again, we'll get together and do the next one on the list. Mm, I haven't seen... I think I left off at like the third one, I or fourth one. I, I haven't seen the Deathly Hollows one, the last two. I have no oh. idea what happens. I'm surprised. Well, I assume you never read the books. I have the books, never read them. They are, you know, 
we, we talked about it during the episode. I, I eventually developed a routine as, as I went through them. Because I started off, when the first movie was scheduled to be released, I hadn't seen, I hadn't read any of them. And somebody I work with had the literally book on tape because it was cassettes. Oh. So he, he lent me the first book and said, you know, you'll enjoy this. Listen to it. And I listened to it and I did enjoy it. And then I did the same thing for the second book. And by the time the third one came out, uh, I, I, list, I got the book, read the book, then got the audio book, listened to it, and then saw the movie. Hmm. And that became my routine for books three through seven. Oh, okay. So I, now, wait a minute. You the said... Full, the full uh, experience with them. You said the first one, you said... Book, first one, the, I just did the book on tape, and then I saw the movie. Was it really on tape, or was it on CD? No, it was tape. Really? Tape? tape? What did you... Oh, you had something to play to tape? Wow. Well, I remember the first movie came out, whatever. I mean, I don't oh, yeah, that was a while ago. Mm. I, I still had a cassette player in the car. What are you, driving like a 79 Buick? <laughs> did you have an 8... Eight track this cassette converter. It was a nineteen ninety something vehicle, and it had a cassette player in it. Oh, I actually had a cassette. I had an eight track to cassette tape converter because I had a seventy nine uh, Delta eighty eight. Guess I shouldn't talk. That was my car in high school, man. I was I was famous. I was rocking, man. I could carry like eight people in my car. I think I think it was by the t- by the third book that I got them on CD instead of on. Hmm. Uh, on cassette. Cool. Mm. So, ah, anyway, this is not a Harry Potter book podcast. I thought it not. couldn't be. Maybe if they, uh, if they put them in comic books. I was going to say, is there any any Harry Potter comic books? I've never seen any. Hmm. I wonder if there's any like no. Yeah, I don't know if there's any like movie adaptations. Hmm. You know, we, you know what? I bet I bet you there's Harry Potter manga, if anything. I've never seen. I, I, it would be interesting it, to see. It wouldn't surprise me if there's Harry Potter manga books. Well, just you know, keep talking, and I'm gonna see if I can look something up. Oh, okay. Uh, blah 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 blah. Manga manga manga. Blah blah. Anime anime. Which I'm editing in Anime Freaks, but by the time this comes out, hopefully that episode will be done and finished. But uh, we shall see. So you're looking up comics. Yeah, I know there, there's apparently Harry Potter manga. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Do I know the audience or do I know the audience? No, I don't know the audience because I'm almost a 50-year-old man. <laughs> well, I still got a couple years left. I'm not over the hill like you. Oh, wow. yeah. I, I, that hill is way behind me. It's a mountain. Methuselah. I wonder when the Harry Potter manga books were released. Man a hold of them. mountain. Man on a mountain. Well, they've got right. manga songs, but I don't know if there's actually Harry Potter manga books. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But right. said something about Japan doing the manga treatment for Harry Potter, so yeah. I don't have time to read the whole article at the moment. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get let's get to why we're here. So, uh, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. It was either yesterday or the day before, but it happened really quickly because uh, Dario Gonzalez texted me. Mm-hmm. And said he traded chocolate chip cookies for a stack of comic books. Wow. I said, those must be some chocolate chip cookies. He was like, trust me, they are. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, there's a bunch in here that were on your want list, so I'm going to send them to you. And they arrived today. Oh. And, you know, 
I mean, Dario, you 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 saw where Dario lives. It's only about yeah. 15, 15, 20 minutes away anyway. But still, right. they, they arrived awful fast on the post postal service. But a bunch of daredevils, some Excaliburs, a couple of Roms. So mm-hmm. I got I got to see what you know where it puts me on my want list. But uh, much much appreciated. And when I mentioned the quality of the uh, of the what's we call it the cookies. He said the next uh, free get-together, he will have them on the menu. Ooh. Just trying to... Thank you very much, Mr. Gonzalez. Was this book in that list, or no? Are you, no. Are you just saying... Oh, you're just saying... Okay, I'm gotcha. just saying it to tip my hat to Dario and thank him for the package. Quite a guy. Makes some delicious food, too. I just, you know, whenever I see... Now, if I see a package with uh, Dario's return address, you know... Just knowing the podcast he does, I get a little scared. <laughs> yes, he does do uh, Eat It and um, <clears throat> Meet It. The, yeah. food and, the Food and Porn podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Hope those weren't vanilla cookies. Ew. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Yeah. Any, anything new in your comic book world? Um, no, no, uh, free comic book day is coming up, but by the time this is out, it'll be over. Um, it'll be way over. Don't know what I'm going to, uh, they've got a big sale, but I don't think, I'm still not anywhere near knowing what I need in back issues, and it doesn't look like they're doing their special, uh, back issue sale. Uh, so I may just go pick up the last two, um, Walking Dead hardcovers that I need. Um, 11 and 12, and that'll get me up to date because I just picked up 13 not too long ago because I wasn't sure where I left off, where I was at. So I'm like, well, let me get the newest one, and then I'll figure out which other ones I need. And oh, okay. I, I need 11 the, and 12. I have the three Walking Dead compendiums, and that's where my Walking Dead collection ends for now. Mm. Well, that'll take you up to... Takes you up to like a 144, I think. The compendium? Aren't there, isn't there like 60 books in each one? I think there's I think there's 48 in each. Oh, 48. Okay, yeah. So then it would be 96, and then another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 144. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I need to take off my clothes for that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for the visual. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 thankfully, I don't have a visual. <laughs> but you're probably wondering why do you have to take your clothes off to count to 144? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to know what you're counting on. Hairs. Hairs on my chest. Yeah. Take away the gray one. Move one up. Okay, there we go. So, we've got tonight. Tonight, we're going to do a book, but I didn't bring one. So, what's new? Encompassing well, the many phases of Bill here, because your book list, which is the one phase of Bill, and <laughs> I, don't, I do not have a written synopsis, which is the other phase of Bill. Phase of Bill. The many faces of Bill. Jeez. You make me sound like a slacker. I don't okay. make you sound like a slacker. You just sound like one. Hey, I try. Well, all right. I don't try. You know what? You, having just listened to your Storytellers episode, you think that the, the Back to the Bins audience is the commander and you're looking under the bunk and you th- and he's looking the other way. But I'm going to come over and I'm going to put my foot on your back and make you do some push-ups. <laughs> Who, me? 
Hey, I brought it in. You did. You did. So, you did all the heavy lifting today. Ooh, that's a lot. Then you'll be you'll be editing this. What? Oh my god, it'll never come out. So, all right. So we got one book, and I went for a meaty, meaty book. Oh man, what a tome this is. It's Action Comics number 844 from December of 2006. My God, so we'll never get through this. It does get in on our 10-year timeline. And it is written by... Where's my... Here we go. Written it by Jeff written Johns, by and, Jeff Jones and, and... and Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. Uh, art is by Adam Kubert. Colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Rob Lay. And then there's other people on there. Yeah, the assistant editor, the editor, Superman created by Siegel and Schuster. The cover is a black and white image of a kind of a close-up, kind of going from Superman's forehead down to the S on his chest uh, and slightly off to the uh, left. Uh, It's done in black and white, very moody looking, kind of scratched as if it's on stone. More like it's, yeah, like it's done in gray. Like shades of gray, not even stark black and white. Yeah, and Superman looks quite perturbed. And it's um, by, by Adam Kubert. Should we just back up a second and say this is kind of like, well, not really a follow-up, but like a prequel to what a show we did a while ago when we did our annuals, when we did our each did our top five annuals, and I had yeah, chosen... Yeah, I guess this would be, because, yeah, you chose the annual which concludes the story, the sto- or is it... Yes, yeah, okay. I believe it, yeah, I believe it concluded the story, because it took so long for it to come out as well. Um, but, yeah, this was the, this was, that was the end of the Last Sun storyline, and this is the beginning of it. So we're kind of doing things out of order. Just mixing it up, y'all. That's right. So the story opens at the Fortress of Solitude, where in much in a Richard Donner fashion, Superman is taking a crystal and sticking it into one of the, those organ pipes that are in there, which makes uh, the virtual Chris Christopherson come up. <laughs> and Superman is discussing with him being the last survivor of Krypton, blah, 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 blah. Cut from there to the Daily Planet, where a very paunchy-looking Perry White is speaking to a kind of a doofy Christopher Reeve-looking Clark Kent. He's Christopher Reeve-ish, but he's even more like slumpy than Christopher Reeve did played it. I think his hair is very sloppy. Yeah, so is his, 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 his yeah his whole manner of dress, which is not Christopher Reeve-ish. But anyway. And, and he's he's there with Jimmy Olsen, who's like maybe one quarter of his size. And Perry White is yelling at him because as he fell off the building, he failed to take pictures when Superman was rescuing him. Uh, and as they're just going on and on, Superman hears people talking. And we see in the sky a bagel falling through the sky in flames. Oh, I thought it was a pumpkin. Could be a pumpkin. It's Could a great be an pumpkin, onion. Charlie Brown. Could be an onion. Could mm. be... Uh, yeah, it's a big Vidalia onion. You're right, yeah. And it comes flying through the sky, landing in the street. Superman kind of slows its descent, destroying, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least ten cars and trucks. Uh, there has to be a body toll here. People have to have been killed in this. Did it kill the guy in, in the phone booth, or did he get away? 
See, I couldn't quite tell the guy that's saying, I'm going to have to call you back. Yeah. Because I, I can't know. tell if that's the guy running away in the next panel or not. Because Superman didn't stop that thing. I don't think, I don't know. I, I think that guy died. Yeah, I, I can't tell for sure. I can't tell if it's him. I assume they're trying to say nobody died and he saved everyone, but it really seems impossible with the amount of damage. <laughs> but I do have to say that when he does bring it to, to a stop, I like the shot on the street, the one page, where the birds, like, the pigeons are up on a light pole looking down, and, and the cat is just, <laughs> like, looking like, what the f*** is going on here? Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's the next page afterwards, and he's kind of holding the giant onion bagel thing in the sky uh, among the rubble. And you look inside, and you can see, much like the beginning of Superman the movie, a young naked boy looking out at him. And from there, we cut to the Department of Meta-Human Affairs, East Coast Lab where Sarge Steele, who we have heard of before on this particular show, mm -hmm. is overseeing whatever type of project that the young boy has been brought to, and he's having a conversation with Superman about what they're planning to do. While they're talking, the kid lifts a uh, cabinet, looks like a TV cabinet, I guess, mm -hmm. <clears throat> just over his head with one hand. And... Every, all, all the scientists take down a bunch of notes. The kid says something in a foreign language, which turns out to be Kryptonese. We are that's what they call it. If you I would have thought it would be Kryptonian, but whatever. Mm. And uh, Superman understands him, and he says that he's hungry, and then I guess they get the something to eat. And while the kid is eating a sandwich, Superman is speaking to him in Kryptonese, and they start to bond a little bit. And when the kid goes to go, go to sleep at the end of the day, he asks Kal-El to not leave. And Kal-El tells him that he's going to stay until he falls asleep and he'll be back before he wakes up. And he promises. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, Superman then goes home, brings Lois uh, some Chinese food, and tells her about what's going on with the boy. And Lois has her misgivings, but clearly sees that Lois, that Clark feels very strongly about doing something with this boy. The following morning, he's up and he's going over to visit with the young man. Uh, he's got a stuffed animal and some other items with him. As he's flying over, he sees with his x-ray vision that the entire area where the boy had been is kind of cleared out. And he is super pissed. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he heads to Washington, D.C., where there is the headquarters for the Department of Meta-Human Affairs, and they're doing some more intensive studies on the boy there. And as they're doing them, uh, Sarge Steele gets a call that somebody want, has come to see him. Sarge Steele decides, you know, tries to blow it off, and then you see the metal doors just bending inward, and Superman just kind of bursts through and goes over to Sarge Steele, slams him into the wall, says where is he so and then we cut from there to I guess Lex Luthor's lab where he sees that this is going on and says opportunity strikes back to 
I guess Washington where the young boy is being transported and uh, we cut from there to Smallville where Jonathan and Martha Kent are at their home and Clark comes to the door with the young boy in his arms and says to his parents a young boy fell from the sky you took him took him home you forged documents you raised him as your own tell me how you did it and the story is to be continued so this is a pretty decompressed story and it's only 17 pages long and it's that's that's it for this issue uh, but I like this I thought this was overall a really good story and I, I know you did too because you chose the annual that we covered on it right well we well we didn't really cover but we talked about it so uh i i just i like the way superman has that paternal instinct in it i like the way it seemed like it was going to change the status quo and give him this young boy which i know there's a superman's son story going on now but i don't think it's this same boy um i don't know i thought it was Certain. I'm not reading it, so I couldn't tell you. Anything. Well, because at the end, the from the annual, the boy gets. Uh, well, I guess we've already spoiled it on the other show. The boy gets drawn back into the negative zone, and do, don't they? Oh, uh, yeah, that's sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong company. Um, it gets drawn back in there, but that was at uh, that was before Final Crisis, wasn't it? Yeah. And then after Final Crisis was when all the Kryptonians came back. But then, oh, I don't know. Who knows with 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 DC, with Flashpoint and everything else they did. Well, they, I they thought it was the same kid that comes back. They certainly could have brought because, him back. I, because I he doesn't question, age. I think the only question is, is that what they did? Or did they come up with some other storyline for where this two-fan son came you think? Maybe if we were professional guys, we would have looked all this stuff up. But yeah, it's... No, we would not have. We were okay. very professional. One thing that you can... Now, you didn't write this out, so I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to nitpick, but when the convoy is stopped, there's a tree that's blocking the road, and everybody's like, how are we going to move this? And then, like, this little gas bomb comes off, and somebody comes and steals the kid. Now... You're led to believe, because if you if you think Richard Donner was involved with this, and stopping a convoy was something kind of is reminiscent of what was done in the original Superman movie by Lex Luthor, who we just saw in the previous page. So you're thinking, oh, Lex Luthor is stealing this kid because the person, that, yeah, because the person that that runs up through the through the gas and puts some type of bomb on the door is covered up so you can't tell who he is now obviously next page we figure out it's it's clark has taken um the boy to his parents to figure out how he can adopt him or you know how he can raise him as his own but i thought it was a nice you know it's there's a lot of donnerisms i guess we could call them or callbacks to his movie in here except the chris christopherson jor-el which was really weird (laughs) i i wonder how much Jeff Johns did, how much Richard Donner did. I'm kind of thinking along the lines of like what people say Stan Lee did back in the day, where he'd say, we should do a story about this. And then he just let the artist run with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking Richard Donner said, we should do a story about this. And then Jeff Johns wrote the script. Right. Yeah, because that is also blatantly uh, 
the Fortress of Solitude from the movies. Oh yeah, no question. Now Jeff Johns apparently worked as a uh, an assistant to Donner back. I th- I don't think in the Superman days, but I think in the Lethal Weapon days. Hmm. Before he was a professional comic writer. So that's where he has his relationship with Donner and, and brought him in to, mm, to do cool. this run on Superman. So, Yeah, this, this, this is a quick book. I was surprised how quick it was. I didn't remember it being so fast. Actually, when I chose it, I didn't remember it being quite this fast either. <laughs> uh, but what are you going to do? What do you think of the artwork in it? Um, uh, I liked... I like the Fortress of Solitude, and I like the Jor-El hologram thing, even though it's you know not obviously Marlon Brando, but that's okay. Could also be James Coburn. Yes, yes, it could. Yeah, with a beard. Um, it almost looks in certain things like when he's flying with the teddy bear, coming back to visit. That almost looks like a like a Simonson Superman. With. Yeah, I could see that. And, um, of course, we have the red-eyed Superman when he breaks in and he's got Sergeant Steel up against a wall. Yeah. But, you know, Steel's kind of like, like, whoa, 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 whoa. They, I, I was told that, you know, they told me they would tell you they that they told you. And obviously nobody told Superman that the boy was being moved, so he's all pissed off. Um. And I, I didn't think they did that bad with the red eyes because they didn't make it the red glowing eyes with, with the of, yeah with the face you know, burning the stuff around it and yeah you know what what they did was they just kind of made a you know made the whole page tinted red or the whole panel rather and then just emphasized the red kind of at the edge yeah but that was it it's not I, I still don't like it but it's not as bad as some of the other ones I've seen I don't know if I really like the drawing of Luthor. I mean, it's only one shot. It's only like three quarters of his head in the page, but it just, you know, like there's a lot more going on in his uh, in, in his laboratory there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, that, that one, the one shot with the red eyes, I don't like the way Sarge Steel is drawn. Look at his nose. Like well, that. Superman is smushing his nose up against him, and Superman I know, it looks dumb. You, you know, you, your nose will schmuss, but smush. But it's not going to bend that way, no matter what you do to it. I don't it'll know. Break. I just it, it'll I just, break before I just do flatten that. mine down with my hand, and I don't know. I think it could look like that. I, th- I think <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a little exaggerated. It's a comic book. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can't be realistic at all. How many times have we criticized anatomy know, in comic books? I mean, that's uh, not too bad. I I like the artwork in this book. In except, general, except for that, yeah, I mean, it does well, kind of. What I, I don't like, what I don't like, is the fine detail work in it. I like the storytelling and I like the layouts, but I don't like the fine detail work at all. I think everybody's face looks a little too cartoony for me, and some of the like the body, like it, it's exaggerated. Like Superman's just too big; he's too tall. Yeah, he is large. He's very large, too large, in some shots. I got a nitpick. Maybe it's a minor yeah, nitpick. Pick, pick that nit. What? It, I thought in high rises. Now, granted, they do this in uh, 
I don't know. Maybe in older buildings in in most major cities, you can open the windows on the upper floors, but I don't think you can anymore nowadays. Like definitely on newer buildings, because at the Daily Planet, whatever, he flies up to Lois and and the windows open, and he hands her dinner. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't that high up. Yeah. I don't think the window you could open the windows just keep people from jumping out. Well, I'm, I'm assuming is that the Daily Planet building or is that their apartment? No, that's the no, building. No, no, she's, she's, she's at work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's at work. That's why I'm like, yeah, I don't think you can open that window. Probably not. But you know, then you wouldn't be able to tell the story. Yeah, you could. You, you, you could have just flown. You'd have to come over to her in a different way. Yeah, they, they could be creative and do that. They chose not to. So Luthor's lair. Go back to that one for a second. Wasn't the original? I could be wrong. It's been so long since I've read like the greatest Superman stories I've ever told, but I got it in like a hardback edition. Wasn't the one where Luthor lost his hair involving a rocket that he was working on? What was that? What he was working on? Was it? I can't. No, I thought I thought he was working on like a uh, like this protoplasm thing. I don't know because the rocket that's in his thing just looks kind of old schooly. It's got the red fins there. And that one, you know, it's like off to the right there. It just looked like it was... That looks like it's a recreation of the rocket that brought Superman. Mm. That's what I would think that is. Yeah, I was kind of curious to all the stuff that was on this page, but you know, he's got like a diagram of the sun with circles around it, and he obviously has a piece of kryptonite underneath, encased in glass. Uh, I'm, sure, oh, I'm sure there's a few Easter eggs in there that we're not catching. I didn't really... Uh, the thing with the convoy... Yeah, see, I don't really think that worked. Like, where the where the cars are... Stopping, you know, where all the Humvees are stopped and everything looks okay. But then when you get the... Like, you see some of the people... Like you're saying, some of the close-up work just doesn't look that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the close-up work on the boy looks good, but that's the only thing on that page other than the convoy being stopped and the the, the close-up work on the kid the rest of it looks very cartoony which doesn't fit like it's almost like it's really detailed in some spots and then it gets too cartoony in others yeah i would tend to agree with you on that i, I think well i think that's my criticism of the artwork in this in general i don't understand why he couldn't stop this he's freaking superman why he couldn't stop the flying onion yeah, yeah. really I mean, come on. Stop that flying on me. He's Superman. Superman. People died there, buddy. I could see him. I could see the people all over the street. But I, I, you know, I was buying this when it came out, and I, I really enjoyed the story. I know a lot of people were not quite so enamored with Jeff Chun's, uh, you know, treating the Superman the movie as gospel. But you know, that didn't bother me. And then I know with well, how uh, is this treating it as gospel? Just because they use some of the well, visuals? Cause, cause, yeah, because they, you know, haven't called back to it. Not, not so much gospel as, like, sacred bread. Yeah. But there was also, uh, I think it was Gary Frank was drawing some Action Comics issues right around this time. And he really... Well, didn't he the, do the... the was it, a con- was it the Confidential? Superman I Confidential? I think he did issues of Action Comics. I think he did, like, that Brainiac story that they did around this time. Well, yeah, there was he the might, one he where... He might have done he, the Superman and the Legion of Superheroes thing as well. Where he really made Superman look like... 
he made him look like Christopher Reeve, and yeah. a lot of people criticized that. It was, you know, like, like I said, that it was too reverent to the uh, movie. But I really didn't have a problem with that at all. I think I think people who had a problem with it had a problem because they were now eliminating kind of the burn image. Yeah. You know, the same way I didn't mind burn changing it from the uh, Superman the movie image to his own. I didn't mind when they went back either. Mm. Not that they went back, but you know what I mean. We gotta go back! Oh wait, no, that's lost. Never mind. Yeah, that, <laughs> the last shot, I don't like Clark in that shot either. <laughs> Again, he looks, he's not, he's he not, he's, well, he's, he's not the doofy Clark from the newsroom, but he still looks doofy. I don't know if it's because he's there's not Yeah, he just looks like two dots with a pair of glasses. Like I said, I think if, you know, I guess Hubert inked himself because he's the only artist that's credited. I, I think it would have been well served to have somebody else ink it and add some detail. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, I mean, my criticism is pretty much to the finer details. No, nothing else about the artwork really bothers me, but the fine details, I think, could have been uh, done better. And I, I also think there's an inconsistency with some of the faces, because some of the faces look pretty good and, and you know, fully uh, fleshed out, so to speak, whereas other ones look very cartoony. Oh, what did you think of the scene where he busts through the doors, though, where he walks, he just walks by, by, by the guards... He just grabs the ends of their gun and just... Yeah, twists that, that, that almost reminded me of the uh, Take the Man's Cape, Luther. I mean, uh, Otis. <laughs> Otis. I don't think he wants me to, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> He's definitely coming, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> the door is bowing in. Now, I don't really remember, because it's been so long since I read this. I mean, I know who the boy's parents actually are. But in the scene where they're in the Department of Metahuman Affairs, which is, we assume, in the Pentagon, because that's what they show in the inset picture, um, is that they're saying that this craft appeared out of hyperspace. But did it appear out of hyperspace, or did they blow it out of the Phantom Zone? Uh, that's what I don't, I don't rem- remember. I don't remember how they did that either, but I would suspect that they blew it out of the Phantom Zone. Yeah, because, you know, spoiler... Um, the boy is actually the the, the son of um, General Zod and um, Ursa. Yet yet another uh, you know callback to the uh, to the Donnerverse to the Donnerverse. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you know. I mean, it's it's not as meaty of a story. I guess the whole story is meaty, but one chapter is not as as potentially meaty as it. Could. No, because I think there's only four or five chapters of this story. It's not that long. I don't. Well, yet one of them is a uh, is an annual. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but that's really just a lot of fighting, um, from what I remember. From I mean, now, we we didn't go in depth. We just talked briefly about when we did the annual show, so we didn't really cover the whole thing. Perhaps one day we covered in more uh, detail. Yes, yes, perhaps. Then again, perhaps not. <laughs> or maybe keep Scott. Them, always keep him guessing. Maybe Scott has plans for this. Who knows? He might. He seemed to have an idea, but we don't know what that is yet. And that scares us. Scott's got an idea. 
that's not an idea. I just thought of two new co-hosts. <laughs> it's kind of like Horton hears a who. Huh? Nobody will believe. <laughs> what so. do you mean you got rid of your co-hosts? Your co-hosts? What? Oh. All right, we ready to grade this? I think so. I think we've nitpicked enough. Stop me before I pick some more nits. All right, well, we'll go ahead and grade it. Okay, so the cover... I think the cover is striking in its own way, but it's not pleasing to the eye as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's well drawn. It's more, my problem with it is more just kind of the, the concept of it. I, I just, I don't think it gives you a feel for what's inside. I think it, it's very bleak looking. Uh, it's, like I said, it's very well drawn, so I don't want to take points away for that. So I'm, I'm going to give it a B. I think it, you know, if, if it was, if I liked the idea better, I think I would like the cover better. The interior art, I like, as I said, the layouts and the storytelling. My biggest problem comes with the, uh, the fine details. It's all Adam Kubert, so he's got to take the hit. You know, it's not like somebody else inked it and you can blame it on, on anybody else. Um, I'm going to say a B minus on the interior art. And, uh... The story, I think it's a good first part to, uh, to, to, this, you know, to the story in general. Uh, it's, it's a little, you know, a <laughs> little sparse, but I, I enjoyed it. So I'm going to say a B on the story as well, and I'm going to give it a B overall. Hmm. Um, the cover, I remember, I don't think I was, I was not re collecting action comics regularly at the time. But because of Gene being Jeff Johns and Richard Donner and the the, the stuff they were going to be t touching upon, I did start to collect it. So um, the cover, like the first time I saw it, I think I was kind of like, oh, that's it? I mean, it's like you said, it's kind of striking, but it's also very bleak. And you don't really have an idea of what you're getting into inside. It almost looks like, you know, it's like a Superman statue grumpy superman statue that's that's on on the cover now the rest of the covers from what i remember are i want to say they're somewhat like this but with perhaps different with other characters on it i it's, i want to say they're all along the same theme again we could check hey but that would be cheating so no, i'm not going to cheat so but for the cover I, i'm still going to give it a straight up b for for the cover uh the interior art um, aside from some of the overly car cartoony stuff, um, and even though it's not Marlon Brando, I still like the <laughs> Chris Christopherson Jor-El. Because um, what's kind of cool, the way they drew him, he's kind of see-through. He's a little bit, you know, you can see, like, the the stuff behind him. I mean, he, duh, he's a hologram. But but it, it just really looks really cool and 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 like at one point he's talking and they do a close up on the eye of the hologram and he kind of like like the eye turns like Clark is walking around and you can see that the hologram is kind of following where he is like he's looking at him out of the corner of his eye and I thought it was very fatherly it's a thing you ex expect to see a father do um, especially Jarrell. Um and so yeah we got the Simons and Superman which looks a little too bit too big but 
I think the art. I, I don't think I'm going to be falling right right in line with you, and I'm I'm going to give this a B minus. Uh, the story. I like the story, and I think I like it enough that I'm going to give it an A minus for 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 the story. So I guess that makes it like a. Yeah, it's still like a B plus, B B plus book. So I think I'm falling right right in line with you. I'm your yes man. As, as you should. I'm your yes man. Good You're my book. boogeyman. <laughs> I'm your boogeyman. Oh, sorry. No KC anyway. to Sunshine Band here. So that's that's our our, our only book for tonight. But uh, we do have a little email to read. Not a lot. We have a couple of things we can read to you. And the first one, of all people, is from... Who is it from? Socrates, who recently sent me a care package. Thank you, Socrates. And it's on the Old Man Logan comic. Good evening, guys. Old Great Man review. Logan. Great review of the original Old Man Logan story. It's been a while since I pulled out my issues. I read the first issue during the review and was shocked at how much I'd forgotten. I remember liking this as it was coming out, but almost had no desire to go beyond that first issue. I'll skip to the Red Skull fight and skip to the Moloids, which I would love to see in a one-shot or three-issue mini. Best (laughs) regards, Socrates in Miami. (laughs) All Moloids, all the time. And the follow-up to that is from Socrates. And it is Old Man Logan Part Do. Hey, guys, last email was about the first issue, which was okay. I really wanted more Moloids, which, like you said last time, and didn't like what was in their, uh, didn't like what was in their other appearances um, in Old Man Logan. Did Moloids eat people before? I you know that's a good question i don't think they did but maybe that's because the mole man had them in check i know they ripped buildings out of from you know helped them bring buildings uh below the surface and stuff so uh i don't know you know of any uh masochistic moloids there paul not offhand <laughs> i know i don't think they straight up ate people because well even if they did, we wouldn't know it. It's you know only until the you know the later '90s and the 2000s that now you know we have you know where bad things happen in comics, or at least blatantly happen, or unlike in the past where they're implied. Uh, I'd rather they okay did Moloids eat people before? Well, we answered that kind of. I'd rather they enslave people or turn people into Moloids. Aha! Now you're a Moloid too. I did like the Skulls Trophy Room. Yeah, there was a lot in there. I believe we saw the beast pelt, quite a few other items. It was just like the you know the Easter egg thing in um, the Peter David um, um, with the maestro. Was it Future Imperfect? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Millar explains the Hulk's hillbilly change as radioactivity finally affecting his mind, but I don't understand what kind of radioactivity cause causes hillbilliness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only way it fits is the constant shifting of the Hulk's character set up by Peter David, which, yeah, because he kept having the, uh, um, when he went through the different iterations of, of the Hulk, uh, with, um, uh, 
Mr. Fix-It, and then you had the Intelligent Hulk, which then they figured out that it wasn't the real Hulk because, what, he was left-handed or something? Wasn't that like the thing when they realized, hey, wait a minute, you're not who you think you are. Holy crap. So, <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> yeah, I know, a little late on that spoiler. I also yeah. think the X-Men would have restrained Wolverine. I don't think he'd be able to kill them all the way he did. Eh. Well, he was in his berserker rage, so you know, I don't know. I guess, maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, okay, so he's thinking that the X Men would have held Wolverine back, but not if he came upon them one at a time and then just straight up attacked them. They're not expecting Wolverine to attack them because they don't say that he. I mean, well, I mean, I have to go back. I think there was a shot where they showed him with multiple X Men that he's killing them, but still, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I I I I think it's possible. It, yeah, I mean, it depends it, on how you write it. It really it does. It depends on who he takes out first, you know, and yeah, and exactly how it's written. You know, if there's the the Stan Lee method of every superhero battle has to be a draw. Mm-hmm. Or the more real, more realistic ones where you know characters that have ranged abilities should be able to take him out from a distance, but if you're inside a building and coming around corners that kind of negates the you know the long distance shots because it did kind of say he was in, in the mansion so and also it could have been i mean maybe mysterio was messing with the other people's heads too which they didn't really say because if he's if he's also clouding the minds of the other people other 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 than wolverine they may not see wolverine as being psychotic until he's right up next to them so you never know um so you're right about Millar bending characters to what he needs rather than what's established, which is a veteran, uh, which is a veteran X team capable of stopping Magneto, Apocalypse, etc. Wolverine is really no match for them together. Maybe one on one. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I should have kept reading. But even <laughs> then, Wolverine would need to be sneaky rather than fighting straightforward. Well, yeah, so it could happen, and it did in an alternate Marvel universe. Best regards. Socrates in Miami. Sunny Miami. And that's... That is it for currently available email on the Back to the Bins folder. We do have a couple of Avengers emails that we can touch on. Do we want to do do those now? Yeah, because they're getting kind of old. Well, we have one that's April of 2016. Yeah, I think we need to do that one because it's over a year old. That one is from Russell Bragg, and it's titled Avengers Spotlight 20, Corvax Saga Part 10, Stop Me Before I Kill Again. Follow up after listening. Hello, fellow podcasters. I just wanted to add to what I said after my last email, especially now that I have actually listened to the episode. I will be honest, as nervous as I was to record with you guys, I was even more nervous before listening to it. It turned out to be very good. Even my wife listened to it. She thought you should have showcased me more. Ha ha ha. I think I talked plenty. She thinks Dr. Bill is hilarious, and Paul, I hope you aren't insulted by this, reminded her of master comedian and thespian Ray Romano. I personally like Ray, although his character on Everybody Loves Raymond got on my nerves. No, Paul, you don't get on my nerves. Well, that makes one person. Everybody loves Paul. She has even added a few Back to the Bins episodes to her podcast listening. Anywho, I really did enjoy the show. I had fun recording with you guys and hope we can do it again sometimes. 
I don't sometime, excuse me. I don't think I'll be as nervous next time. Thanks again for the great experience. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Presents show. Sorry it took so long to get uh, to your email, Russell, but it was fun having you on, and yes, we should do it again. Yeah. Um, and we... Did we? <laughs> I mean, it's been a year. I know we've... He's done a... Well, we did one of his shows, but we did we do it before this? I don't yeah. know. Well, because we did one of his shows with him. Yeah, uh, I think that was before we did Oh, that. okay, that's right. And then, then they just just did recently. Him and Kirk did the, uh, um, yeah, assistant editors month. So he's been on the show, but not with us. <laughs> there you go. Shit. What else we got here? Any more? Uh, yeah, what do we got here? It's another one from Russell, and this is uh, Avengers Spotlight twenty three. Their commissar. Hi, guys. It's... Oh, I see what he did here. Okay. This is when we were talking about the... Uh, you know, Hi, guys! Exclamation point. It's nice to have another Avengers Spotlight, period. It's always hard when you have a story where Captain America is so whiny, period. Not only with comma... I see, I can't remember what it was. Period. Oh, that's right. Exclamation point is... Remember, I this don't was, remember. You don't I remember don't this? Remember. This was the whole I remember doing it. I just don't remember what sounds we made. This was the whole thing for yeah, yeah. This well that was when we were doing the take on um I remember for one of them I had to go do 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 Yeah, it's because every time we said they're commissar. But that's nowhere in this email. Anyway, this is when we did the whole thing with the I told you about Victor Borgia doing the um oh, I can't remember it. The exclamation stuff that is no- noises to make things more interesting. Wow, I'm really drawing a blank. Anyway, so but Russell put all the, all the all the. Yeah, I'm I'm doing hand signals and nobody can see me. I'm an idiot. The yeah, what is it? I am completely. Whew. Punctuation. My God. <laughs> Doing all the punctuation as sounds. Anyway, I'm for brevity. I'm just going to finish this without the sounds. Although the comma, I remember the comma. So anyway, hi guys! Exclamation point! It's nice to have another Avenger spotlight. Period. It's always hard when you have a story where Captain America is so whiny. Period. Not only that, but he's the first Avenger defeated in a big battle. Period. During this time period, was Cap this melancholy in melancholy in his own book? Question mark. I was so hoping that Hawkeye would pull a, oh, I don't remember what quote sound was, quote, boxing glove, end quote, arrow out of his quiver, period. Would that have been copyright infringement? Question mark. I can't remember if I mentioned this idea before, but maybe, well, that was a pretty sad sound of comma, but maybe you you could go through Avengers number four. Yes. Ah, Sorry, I'm just having a flashback to when Scott gave me Avengers four. And then do commentary on the 1966 1966 filmation Captain America episode that covers the issue period parentheses yeah, I, I, it's exactly one of the things I've thought about doing and I would like to do that so just a thought guess we better close for now period Russell Bragg Clarksburg West Virginia host of the DC Comics present show on hiatus but I think it's out by now it's been on hiatus it's come out of hi- hiatus it's gone it's in hiatus, hiatus out of hiatus <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, it's a hiatal hernia. But anyway, Russell uh, knows the uh, the uh, the punctuation gag that Victor Borgia did, even if Paul doesn't. I, I like I said, I remember doing it. I just don't remember yeah. how it came out. But uh, it wouldn't really be fair to do two Russell emails without doing a Kirk Greenfield email. So this one is titled Avengers Spotlight, Avengers number 18. So this is commentary on the same episode. Mm-hmm. Hey, Binzers. Thanks for pushing out that long overdue Avengers Spotlight. At the first glimpse of Cap's recruits, or Kooky Quartet, this was a poor representation, but typical of the period. So many of the fans back in the day kept crying for the return of the original Avengers and disliked this weak team. Perhaps it was because of weak stories or art. You either love or hate Don Hex artwork. I had expected you would be covering Avengers 22 and was very surprised by the changeup. I see this year of Cap's replacements as a series of two-part stories. 17 and 18 had two large opponents, Minotaur and Commissar. 19 and 20 are a pair of swordsman stories. 21 and 22 are the Power Man Enchantress two-parter. 23 and 24 were a Kang Ramona two-parter. 25 is a Doctor Doom solo. And 26 and 27 are in a Tuma two-parter. It's not a Tuma. It's not a Tuma. 28 marks the return of Giant Man and introduction of The Collector. Although fondly remembered by some, all these stories are weak. The Kang story is important only for his character development. I agree with your general comments about the Commissar story. Seeing the issues cover in-house ads back in the day, seeing this issue, issues cover in-house ads back in the day. I thought the yellow curtain Quicksilver is wrapping around him was supposed to be part of his wrestling costume. Yes, Wanda's role on the cover as a helpless female captive is typical for the period. And note how Kirby placed all sight lines on the tile floor, leading your eye to her position. Even the curved architecture in the upper right leads the eye back down to her. However, the sword swipe, Hawkeye's arrow and Cap's outstretched arms, all lead us to the giant sword. Perhaps the idea was for your eye to be drawn to Pietro, from Pietro to Cap to Hawkeye and then the imprisoned Wanda sort of a rotation around the Commissar's bulk. And speaking of bulk, this is the second story that dealt with a figure as large as the Hulk. Remember that these Avengers were charged to find the Hulk by the departing Iron Man in 16. Though this issue doesn't deal with that directly, it does echo his size and power in the story. Cap's desire to join S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury is an ongoing thread and motive for him since his thirst for revenge was ended with the death of Zemo in 15. You missed an obvious art mistake on page 11, panel 5, as a man without a mask calls, Cap, look out, there's a bazooka behind you. I would have thought this was Pietro, except the thought balloon says, if only he hadn't ordered us to remain behind, no time for my arrows now. It's obviously Hawkeye, but his mask is totally missing. I thought surely you guys would have caught this one. No, we didn't. We didn't. Shut up. Probably just a coloring error. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> the giant face on the left of page 14 does seem out of place, and I also wondered if it was Don Heck covering an error. Perhaps either it was a figure of Wanda imprisoned behind glass, or else the robot com- command panels revealed too early in the story. You will also be interested to note that the letters page critiquing these issues, 16 and 27, are being reprinted in the back of the current Avengers point issues. And also takes a look at this time period. While you can find the letters page in the original, they are also reprinted in the Avengers Omnibus. You might find some insight into fan reaction if you read those as well. 
Hope this wasn't too long. Your other West Virginia correspondent, Kurt Greenfield, co-host of Imperious Rex Confection of the Serial Surface Invader podcast. Thanks, Kurt, because that mm-hmm. that actually is uh, pretty uh, pretty insightful of you, and I appreciate it. And actually, by the time, well, I don't know. When I'm not sure when this is going up. Is this going up before the episode we recorded with Kurt? It will. It will be the episode with Kirk will be up before this. Okay. Alrighty. I didn't know if we wanted to get this one up for the emails, but eh. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. know. How how do I know? I don't know. Uh, and we just have one more, don't we? Yeah, we do. And it's from. Wow. Maybe our maybe maybe the Kirk and Russell are getting a run for the money from. Our buddy in Miami from Socrates. He also sent free stuff, so we love people. Oh, Those oh. are our favorite listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've well actually I've gotten stuff from 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 Russell and Kirk, so they're nice guys. And I'm sure I would get stuff from other people if I would put some stuff out there that I need. But I'm you know lazy and I need stuff. I need stuff. I don't care anything. Bring me stuff. So JLA versus Avengers. Hey guys, I recently found a note in a in a DC Meanwhile page within JLA 213 promoting a 1983 JLA slash Avengers crossover. What happened to this comic? If the publisher is promoting this, it probably had a script, and I've seen some of the original Paris art. I would love to read this Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway script. Do you know of other cool comics mentioned somewhere and have never been published or finished? The recent JLA Avengers crossover cross is great and fair to both publishers and the characters. Best regards, Socrates S. Alvarez III. Um, Off the top of my head, I could think of Cancelled Comics Cavalcade, which showed like uh, there was like a last issue to Commandy that had never been published, and I think there were some black and white pages printed in that. And I think they did a couple of other things that hadn't been published there. But there's not a heck of a lot. You know, most, most of the stuff like that ended up somehow as inventory stories and later were published somehow anyway. Yeah, uh, and the I... Avengers JLA one is the one I can think of, you know, that, that's the most famous unpublished story. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if they incorporated any of that into the new one that they did. Because that was, uh, yeah, back, back when that came out, that got me collecting comics again, that crossover. I'm just going to get this. I'm just going to buy this. It's all I'm going to get. I think Wizard had a column for a while, which was like, you know, great comic stories that never happened or something along those lines. And it was, you know, dedicated to stories like that. Does Wizard even put out a book anymore? No. I didn't think so. But at one time, I think they did have a column of that nature. Mm. Somebody somebody will write it and tell us that I'm either correct or wrong. I used to like Wizard. So did I back in the day. But it was, it was a lot of fluff, though. I... I I really, really prefer Back Issue Magazine. What I, 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 that's, to me, a very enjoyable read that I can spend hours on. Mm, I See, I don't know where to get Back Issue Magazine. I guess I need to, I mean, I guess you can order it from I, I subscribe to it digitally. Uh-huh. Because it's, it's kind of expensive for the hard copy. But if you subscribe digitally, I think it's, it's still not cheap, but it's significantly cheaper than the printed copies. Mm. And they, they send a uh, PDF link every month. Hmm. Or every other month. It depends on how... I think they publish eight issues a year. You know what? Hmm. 
And then periodically we see uh, columns in there. Andy Leyland had a column once. Uh, Mike Bailey had one once. Rob Kelly's had a few. Chris Franklin has had. So it's kind of cool when you see people who you know published in there. You know, I've got uh, I've got a stack of um, books that I guess George Perez had his own magazine that he put out like back in the two thousands, and I picked up a bunch of those out of like a like out of a dollar bin, um, or I might have picked them up when I was actually working at the comic book store at Yancey Street, and I gave Scott. I think I gave Scott some of them that because some of them were were duplicates. So, but I want to say I need to go back and find those because I think there was I could swear there was an article that talked about the JLA Avenger stuff and it's you know all Paris stuff in there. There was I mean it was tons and tons of his original artwork and 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 stuff that he does in there. I mean it was just a book. It was all about him. So there was tons of articles and checklists and all, all kinds of neat neat stuff in there. I need to go back and find those because I want to say there was stuff in there about the JLA Avengers crossover. So I, I now I have a now I have something to look for. You have a mission. I have a mission. I'm a man. You've given Doctor Bill a mission, Socrates. It may take me a long time to finish it. Within a few years, he'll have that. I have no idea where those books are, and I've got now, ninety I'm books sorry. to ninety boxes to look through. <laughs> So, so that's it for email. I want to touch base on the fact that we were taking a look at our iTunes reviews, and we've kind of stagnated on them, and we haven't gotten many lately. Uh, those are always great because they help people to find the show, and you know, as much as we do this for our own fun, it's nice to know that people are listening and enjoying it. So having iTunes reviews is a, is a big help to that. And there were two that I don't think we've noted on the store. One is from May of 2016, so it's a while ago, uh, by Valenhai. I'm not sure if that's somebody who, if we heard their real name, we'd know. But uh, they gave us five stars. It says, some of the best comics talk around. And the review says, a fun group of guys talking about some of the best ages of comics. A great listen, great episode each time. So, you know, that, that strokes our egos very nicely. And thank you very much, Valenhai, for the for the... Nice words and the and the five stars. Are uh, are you being circled by German bombers or something right now? Perhaps. Because I s- uh, we we do get helicopters in the oh, okay, area. Okay, because I just you know I expect or, to hear. Or perhaps I'm having some irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> wow, man, that's some irritable bowels. <laughs> or maybe not. And we have another five star iTunes review, and it is from Ken Fuya. Great comic, and this is from August 10th, 2016. Great comic coverage without the smarmy overhead. A no-nonsense review slash discussion with great info behind all the issues covered. Except for tonight, because we didn't do any research. This is one of the few comics podcasts I can listen to without having to shut off at some point due to the host's overbearing and condescending comments. Or terrible parody elements. Wait, no, no, that's well, that's well, not. I, I can come right out and tell you, we're not better than no one. <laughs> exactly, Mister Double Negative. A much needed addition to the comics fan community. Yay! And I think that wraps up all our self praise and uh, and adulation from all our fans. I want to pat myself on the back some more. I'll break my arm doing it. Thank, thank you very much, everybody who wrote in, everybody who gave us reviews. 
the review again you know I, I like both but the reviews really you know they really stroke our egos except when they're one star reviews in which case not quite so much stroke it stroke it stroke stroke Right, Billy Squire. Maybe maybe we'll go out on that. What do you think? Yeah, go out on the stroke. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Darn, that's the end.